Okay, good. That's better. (laughs) (laughs) Thomas, tell us your favorite fun fact about Evil Bong 6. Evil Bong 6? Oh, that's the one that... Evil Bong 6. That's the one specifically that introduces the concept of sexy hell, which is going to play a prominent role in Evil Bong 6 and a little bit of Evil Bong 7. And I guess it's 666 and 777, if we're being technical about it. And I will say, it definitely feels like they're that number entries. Because it's like, these movies have gone so off the rail. They're so bad. They're just, nothing's even happening in them anymore. I'm glad. They just go to sexy hell. Like, okay. So, Evil Bond 6, there's like... Okay, so at the end of 5, there's this character in the Evil Bond movies named Rabbit, and he, like, absorb. He's got, like, this thing called, like, Nothing Head, where he, like, completely clears his mind. And at the end of 5, he does... He, like, transcends to a new level of it, where he ends up absorbing the one of, like... The characters who was in the first five and the Ginger Dead Man spinoff. Like, he had been in six movies up until this point, and I guess he finally decided he had had enough. Because he's not in six or seven. And instead... Uh, so you remember in Killjoy Psycho Circus, um, the Batty Boop ripoff? Yeah, Batty Boop. Well, she's she's like the main character from the Ginger Dead man movie the first one and the spinoff and she kind of like comes into the evil bond series uh and great yeah she she's the one who is the batty uh boop ripoff and she becomes like pre i don't know if i'd call it's it's kind of an ensemble cast but she's the one who gets a lot of focus and six and she gets a fair amount in seven and it's just like and she's your favorite character so Oh, um, I don't know. I I, I don't, I don't have a favorite character in these movies. They're all, they're all just so baffling. I I don't understand. Yeah, fucking Killjoy Psycho Circus is like the worst. It was pretty bad. It's not, it's not bottom on my list that I have yet to make public, but it's definitely lower. Yeah. It's, uh, it's bad. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't think it's as bad as Killjoy 1, but. Well, you, you haven't had the displeasure of sitting through uh, any of the evil Bond movies yet, so. That's true. You haven't had the displeasure of watching Puppet Master The Legacy. <laughs> I watched part of it, to be fair, and then I realized it was pretty much an, a, a compilation movie, and I was it's, like, fuck this. I think there's like five later. minutes of new footage. I think I think I read that they shot thirty minutes of new footage. That's a lie. That's gotta be a lie. Maybe that movie's they only shot an hour and ten minutes, minutes of new footage, but they only used a little bit of it. <laughs> so as you can see, we've been watching lots of full moon films. Thomas has been uh, watching them at two times speed because he can't. Yeah, he can't handle watching them at one time speed. 
I, uh, the I ones watched, I have been watching, I've been suffering through. To be fair, the only ones that I have watched on that speed are the Evil Bond movies and the Puppet Master movies. I can't find good. I mean, that's fair. Good copies or good torrents for some of the other ones, so I can't watch them sped up. I have to watch them on normal pace through 2B TV. So it's just like, uh, those are the ones that hurt the most. Yeah. I mean, I haven't even really watched a lot of Full Moon movies this week. I watched Medieval Park, which was actually like, oh, it was bad, but it was like way better than I was expecting. Yeah, I've watched, I'm on 39. Um, and I'm including like the, some, like the Empire movies and stuff like that. So yeah. I'm including the Ghoulies in that. Yeah, no, that's more than me. I think I'm at 27. <laughs> yeah. I watched, uh, I looked at your stats page for, uh, like movies you've watched this year and like every week is like six or seven kind of looking at, and then last week was 48. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the funniest shit I've ever seen. Because if you look at my stats page, it like, it, I watch like 20 to 30 movies a week, pretty much every week. And the only week that I like failed to do that, I watch like six movies one week so like all of them are like these super high bars and then you look at yours and they're all these super low bars except for this one gigantic one oh gosh yeah um what can i say i'm just i'm just kind of biting the belt here and i told you it was gonna happen you did you did you warned me and you're like i don't think it is well, at this point, it's like I've watched so many, like, pretty much all of, like, Full Moon's big franchises. For the most part, like, there's still a couple, like, small ones I gotta get, but I'm pretty much just gonna cover, like, Empire and then, like, movies that Charles Band has produced, and then I'm just gonna walk away. I'm just not gonna think about it for, for hopefully ever again, but... We'll see about I that. Can't, I can't. Tell me when you start watching Trancers, because I'll watch those with you. Okay. I I, I was actually going to wa- probably start those after I finish Ghoulies 3 and 4, which Ghoulies cool. 3 and 4 technically aren't produced by, like, Full Moon or any associates of that, but they're sequels to an Empire yeah. movie, so I'm going to, like, just include them in my big letterbox list that I'm prepping up here. I feel it. It's at least tangibly uh, connected yes. to the Empire dung heap. Oh, I'm trying yes. to figure out, like, if Full Moon is, like, the worst fucking production company. But then, like, I think of things like The Asylum. Yeah. I'd say, and I'm like, I'd say Full like, Moon has made movies that I've enjoyed. I'd say at one point they were, but given, like how they were so probably influential because they were, they were big, like fucking video stores across America. You know, you would see Ghoulies or Puppet Master or at least one of their properties. Like, cause Charles Band is a fucking mad businessman. Um, but so I imagine that probably a lot of smaller companies who make similar tier movies or perhaps even worse looked at that and were like, oh, this guy can do this. Because I've seen some like 
stuff from Full Moon where I'm like, this is like bottom of the barrel. But I've seen stuff produced by like other companies that is like averagely like Full Moon's kind of worst quality stuff. <sighs> it's like, oh, like I used to when I was like a teenager, I used to buy like those like bargain bin like. 10 horror movies on this one $5 set. And those things. Even as a kid growing up, even when I was like eight, I'm like, this looks like garbage. Oh, for sure. I I knew what I was getting into. Um, But through that, I found some gems like demonic toys. The first one. (laughs) That's true. And uh, yeah, that's the only positive one I can think of. That's far that I've been like, yes, that was a movie I really liked from those sets. Um, but yeah so it wasn't like occasionally it was one time I found a movie I liked I mean occasionally you would find like the big sets that had like more older public domain movies on there like uh, some camera movies and stuff like white zombie like classic kind of public domain stuff but yeah I don't know I I there's a part of me that does find watching like really low budget stuff throughout time really interesting. Like I like watching. I get that. Like these, like shit, like the Trooper that was just like made super independently back in like the seventies, and it's just like this is this is cool. This is interesting to look at. But yeah, no, Full Moon. I've come to the conclusion that they're just like a raunchy crude goosebumps for adults and and children and, who watch horror movies and all you gotta do is you, you gotta just look at full moon and then you have to look at the directors that seem to work as independently as possible away from charles band and those movies are probably going to be the good ones <laughs> probably But yeah. I don't know though, you know, Charles Band wrote the script for Doll Man, and Doll Man was okay. It was okay. It was okay. Which is like I wish a great thing to say about uh Yeah. I wish it was um a little less set in that woman's apartment for the majority of the movie, but I feel that. <laughs> You know, I get it. I get that. I, I get why they do that. It's the same reason why in Ghoulies 2, they're at a carnival, but most of the time they spend their time in, like, the haunted house exhibit. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> like, keep We have money for one set. But, to be fair, at the end of Ghoulies 2, like, the last 20 minutes, they run, they roam the fucking... God, Ghoulies 2, that was so... <laughs> that movie knew how to have fun. Like, I'm not going to spoil what happens for you, but, like, the resolution to the movie I thought was so fucking hilarious. I'm excited to watch Ghoulies. Well, not the first one, but I'm excited to watch Ghoulies 2. Ghoulies 2 was decent. I I enjoyed Ghoulies 2. But you know what you enjoyed more? Blade Runner 2049. Absolutely. We, we watched that in the movie club we watched a few movies um but that was probably the best one because it's blade runner 2049 i fucking love that movie um then we watched uh 
Knives Out. Knives Out. That was really good. I liked that one. Yeah, that, that's my favorite of the things we've watched in the past week. So I, I really like Knives Out. And then a lot of the other stuff we watched was not, not super great. We watched Ip Man yesterday, which I thought was, like, decent. Yeah, it, it was alright. It was, like, it was fine. Yeah, definitely better <laughs> than a lot of the shit I was watching this week. That's true. Um, and then we watched, uh, I think Freaky Friday was on this rotation. Yeah, and that was garbage. Yeah, I, I didn't. Sorry. Like, I don't like Freaky Friday. Didn't like it when I was a kid, and I didn't particularly like it now. Uh, um, watch Castle in the Sky, I think, as well. Yeah. That was that was pretty decent. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Um, thought it was pretty epic. I remember that I, as soon as we started, I'm like, I've seen like half this movie in Japanese class. Ah. <laughs> uh, Nice. Um. Yeah. Oh yeah, and we watched Frankenstein. Oh yeah, we watched uh, the two performances of a uh, National Theater. Is that who does it? National Theater Live yeah. uh, from Frankenstein, the 2011 one, directed by Danny Boyle. Yeah, starring uh, Johnny Lee Miller and Benedict Cumberbatch. And I gotta say, like. That's probably my favorite Frankenstein adaptation that I've seen so far. Yeah. Um, I really like the Randy Quaid one a lot. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd still probably pick that one over this one for just, like, a couple reasons. But I acknowledge that this one also had, like, some restrictions being formatted and presented as a play. Yeah. But uh, I did really like this one. This is probably like right up there with the Randy Quaid one for me. I was like, yeah, this is this is good stuff. I gotta, I gotta watch the. Uh, I know he didn't direct it, but the one that's like associated with Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula, which we watched this week as well. Um, is that the one from the nineties or? Yeah, it's from like ninety four or something like that. It's got Robert the De Niro. Kenneth Branagh. Um, I'm not sure who directs it, but I know Robert it's, De Niro's it's in it. Mr. Kenneth Branagh, Branagh. I'm not okay. He's a pretty good director. He does a lot of uh. He, I'm sure if you saw his face, you'd also know who I'm talking about. He he acts in a lot of things. He's the guy who plays um. Fucking. I can't think of any of these characters' names, but he's like... Uh, he did Murder on the Orient oh, Express as well. Yeah, no, I, I've I've seen this guy around. He's, he's in a lot of Shakespeare shit. Yeah, he directs a lot of Shakespeare. Like, he did a Shakespeare adaptation of Henry V, Hamlet, Much Ado About Nothing. Like, Yeah. I think he doesn't he play Frankenstein in <laughs> that version of Frankenstein. I think he uh, does. Yes, he does. Yeah. Okay. Huh. I didn't realize he directed it. Interesting. Yep. He also directed the new Artemis Fowl movie. Ooh. I never... But he did a movie, uh, Eric... Eric, you know, Eric, he recommended me a movie called Dead Again that I watched, and that was actually pretty great. Okay. Huh. I'll have to add it to, to the watch list. <sighs> Oh, I'm sneezing a lot today. No. That's what happens when I stay cooped up for too long. You sneeze? I just start sneezing. 
all the all the collected dust in your house? Pretty much. Huh? Yeah, I'm trying. I don't. I don't. <laughs> Especially because I just cleaned like the other day, so now all the dust is like displaced. Ah, I feel it. Let's see. Kind of looking through, seeing if there's anything else worth talking about that I watched this week. We watched uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. That was fun. <laughs> that was fun. We watched The Blob. The Blob, which was bad. Oh. That was fucking awful. Uh, yeah. We did watch Dracula. We we said something about it. Yeah. We didn't say we watched it. I, I I said that we had watched that one. Oh, my bad. Yeah. I brought it up just briefly, though. Yeah, no. I, I really like that. Uh... Dracula movie. Very good. Um, was it Okja this week, or that was last week? That was last week. Last week. So that's about it. Yeah. I watched I watched some Lupin, but, like, the ones I watched weren't, like, super memorable. So. Yeah. I watched... <laughs> Don't read them. I, I think it was this week. It might have been, like, the tail end of last week, but I watched that uh, episode zero one with you guys. Oh, I mean, I do like episode zero, so. Yeah. That one I thought was pretty pretty neat, pretty fun. But then the other two I watched were... The last one I watched, the one I, that I watched last night, was, like, kind of bad. It was okay. Mm. I think Lupin has a pretty high bar for... Yeah. From what I've seen. It's really easy just to, like, at least kind of somewhat like the movies because, like, the characters have such likable personalities. It's fun to watch them even if there's not much going on. Yeah. But, yeah, pretty good week. Pretty good. Been playing a lot of Lego Batman 3. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, and um, Star Wars Day, which was two days ago, the time of recording. Um,. They released the final episode of Star Wars, The Clone Wars. Oh, and It nice. was how, magnificent. It's incredible. How, how deep into, like, episode three stuff does it go? Like... Um... I mean, I don't really want to spoil it. I mean, you, you don't have to, like, spoil it, but, uh... Does it, it does, like, touch upon, like, Revenge of the Sith stuff a little bit, or... Um, well, I guess I'll just... Uh, spoiler for the next, like, 20 seconds! Okay. Boom! Um, the last four episode arc start, like, the beginning of it, Ahsoka sees, um, Anakin and Obi-Wan as they're leaving to go fight General Grievous at the beginning of episode three. Oh, okay. So, the stuff that's happening in the arc is going alongside it, pretty much. Ah. Huh. Okay. But, yeah, it was really, really, really good. And I'm excited to see what's next. Uh, Taika Waititi, it was announced that he's directing a Star Wars movie. Oh, nice. Um, bunch of Star Wars stuff coming out. Jedi Fallen Order 2, I think, got a release date. Jedi Fallen Order got a new update that's pretty big. Hmm. Just a bunch of stuff for Star Wars Day. There's a new eight-part documentary series on The Mandalorian that I'm probably going to watch. Oh, nice. I still haven't watched that one yet. It's pretty epic. I, I still haven't I watched episode show. nine either. Uh, you know, keeping, like, having episode eight as, like, the end of the series, I think is probably good, you know? <laughs> huh. Yeah, I I don't know. I'll, I'll watch it eventually. Uh, at some point, I'll probably, because I got I don't know. Episode eight. 
and episode nine kind of remind me how I feel about episode, I mean, Gunbuster uh, and Die Buster. Yeah, I feel it. Um, I too was a fan of one of those shows, but not very much. Yeah, Di- you love Die Buster. Yeah, Di- you know what's funny? It's the best. I, I was looking online and it seems like a lot from what I saw i didn't like do a lot of deep dives but it seems like a lot of like modern anime fans tend to like die buster more and i get it like i get that it's probably like a style thing but i don't know i get do you just want to get into the busters uh we will in just a second let's talk about some questions from pierre that's right i forgot this is for you pierre this is for you what is the best way to sit on the toilet? Facing the tank or away from the tank? Um, I think <laughs> if you're just pooping away from the tank, but if you got a nice, like, bowl of super cereal, you're definitely facing the tank. Because then you can set it on the tank. Exactly. Nice steak dinner. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to try sitting towards the tank today. See how it feels. Probably doesn't feel very comfortable, but... Probably not. <laughs> Alright. Uh, yeah, same for me. Um, unless you're, like, you know, playing Nintendo 64 or something. Probably away from the tank. Who is your favorite character from the X-Men? Or from X-Men in general, so... Magneto. Um, <laughs> or the Brotherhood, you know. You can say those. Yeah, I'm... I, I like X-Men. I've never been, like, super into it, so I'm not, like, super familiar with, like, all the characters. Um, so this is going to be a very vanilla, run-of-the-mill answer, but I, I'm a fan of Wolverine. That's fair. Yeah. Um, I would also say that Wolverine's one of my favorite characters solely because he has, like, the most screen time in the modern, like, era of film. Yeah. And they do a lot of really cool stuff with his character. Besides Wolverine, I really, really fucking like uh, Jubilee, because I used to play the X-Men arcade game a lot, Mm. and I would play as her a lot. Um, And I don't know, I really like Cyclops. You know, a lot of vanilla stuff, but I like Cyclops. I like Beast. Beast's pretty cool. I feel it. If I ever really want to, like, fuck around, I'm like, yeah, I love Kitty Pride. Oh, nice. Um, I have I have some of the Wolverine Kitty Pride comics in my, uh, just like some of my singles collection. Ah. Okay. Is it okay to drink something before you pay for it in the checkout line? Um. Man, my dad used to do this all the time. Personally, I'm not. A big fan of it. I mean, I'm not going to say anything to anyone who does it, but I, I always think it's, like, such a weird situation. I would never do it just in case, like, something happened where I couldn't pay for it. And I'm just like, ah. Yeah, like, th- th- a lot of the time I don't have cash on me, so I would never be like, I'm just going to drink this. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, what if my card gets declined or the system's down or something? I feel it. But, I mean, like, I probably wouldn't say anything because it's like, whatever. They they know what's up. But, like, I think it's fine if you have the money for it. I just wouldn't do it because I'm always fucking nervous as hell that, like, for whatever reason, my card's not going to work. Yeah. 
Thank you once again, Pierre, Thanks for the you. question. He'll be here in 10 days. I know. I can All feel right. it. <laughs> I can feel it. All right, let's talk about the Busters. All right. So how do we want to talk about this? Do we want to talk about Gunbuster, talk about why we liked it, or do we want to just talk about Gunbuster and Die Buster and then talk about why we liked one and why we didn't like the other? Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm down for either or if you want to try a kind of different format where we just kind of jump in between the two or if you want to, like, just go how we normally do where we just kind of talk about one and then the other. Um, I'm definitely going to have probably a lot more to say about Gunbuster than Die Buster, just simply because I watched Die Buster for the first time, uh, most of it yesterday, some of it the day before. Um, and I've seen, I've seen Gunbuster like four times now, so oh, I'm, wow, okay. I'm a lot more familiar with that one. Yeah, I, 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 right, well, I watch it about like once a year. Um, oh, nice. Roughly, because I'll either show it to somebody or i'll be like you know it's like three hours i could watch gunbuster right now um i still haven't watched the movie um i need to check that out at some point to see yeah i was going to but then i'm like i don't want to watch fucking die buster again even if it's like half of it yeah well there because they do like the gunbuster die buster movie because i i think there's like a couple different movies they do because i've seen one that's like got stuff from both of them that's like a 90 minute movie and then there's like just gunbuster the movie which is the only way to legally buy gunbuster over here they don't have the ova available um i i don't know why maybe it has something to do with the audio because i know the reason the series never got an english dub is because like at some point between it's like original production and when it would have gotten an english dub they had uh i i don't know if they destroyed them but they they just didn't have the original like source files for a lot of the audio clips so okay it's only like that original audio track that still exists but i bought i have a nice bootleg because i buy i don't typically buy bootlegs but if it's a series that isn't like properly licensed over here and i can find a nice one for it i will um so I've got bootleg for uh, Gunbuster and Diebuster, and then I've got the uh, Evangelion Blu-rays, since that series is never going to get a Blu-ray release over here. And on top of that, definitely not going to get one with the original dub that I like. So Yeah, because now there's a new Netflix dub, so if there would be a Blu-ray, it'd be licensed through Netflix, and it would be that dub. Yep. So I'm I'm glad I've got these really nice high quality bootlegs that have uh, dual audio with the original dub. So it's like yes, but um, yeah, uh, I, well, I let's like talk Gunbuster. about Gunbuster. You 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 know so much about Gunbuster. Let's take it away. Okay. Well, um, the series begins with our main character. Kind of, uh, her name is. Noriko? Noriko! And her dad is, like, the captain of this, of, like, the world's, or I guess not the world, of the galaxy's fastest ship, the Exelion. And he's basically at the front lines of war because there are space monsters, essentially. They're going around 
they're like flying through suns and accelerating their aging process and basically like creating just a shit ton of like black holes and shit not good for anybody so her dad dies on the exelion when she's really young um and when he's doing this he saves the life of one of his subordinates who turns out to be a character who will be very relevant named coach oh the actual name is oda (laughs) yes but they call they just call him coach Ah, I closed out of the character tab. Oh, God! Um, that way I have, like, characters' names nice and fresh. Um, but yeah. So basically, she decides she wants to follow in her father's footsteps, so she enrolls into this, uh, basically, like, Space Cadet Academy, where she's gonna learn how to, like, pilot a mech. Um, she's... Yeah, this is, like, eight years later. Yeah. Well, it's, it's already... Already time dilation plays a key role, because the, the battle started in 2015, but by the end of the battle, two years had already gone by on Earth. So it was 2017, then it jumped ahead six years, so it's 2023 when we see, like, Noriko entering the Academy. Yes. And... Uh, she's, like, excelling physically, like, she can handle all, like, the exercise and stuff, but she's really bad at figuring out how to pilot the mechs. Um, and she's already being accused of, like, you know, being famous admiral's daughter, so she's getting a lot of, uh, leniency. Nepotism. Nepotism, exactly. Um... And, you know, she she really doesn't want this. She, you know, she wants to kind of earn it all herself, but she's really struggling. Uh, but she finds out the next day that even though, like, she couldn't fucking get a mech to, like, properly run, that she was picked for this big project to be sent off and go to space. And of two girls. And the other one is, like, everybody's, you know, favorite big sister... Uh, Kazumi Amano. And she plays kind of like the... Oh, God, what what's his name? Kamina kind of role in this series a little bit. I mean, she's not as positive yeah, as Kamina is. Kamina. Kamina's great. Like, I'm, I'm the whole gonna... time I was watching Die Buster, I was just like, I just wish we had watched Gurren Lagann. Yeah, because it, it definitely, like... Without diving too deep into it yet, Die Buster is just this awkward in-between stage to me. I, I might get more out of it if I'm to watch it in the future, but currently, my thoughts on it are, it just kind of feels like this awkward in-between stage of Gunbuster and what would be Gurren Lagann. Yeah. But not nearly as good as either of those. Yes. Um, but basically, uh, Noriko, she... She's like, what the fuck? Um, I'm not qualified for this at all. And everyone agrees with her, except for the coach. He's like, she's got potential. She's going to do it. Um, so she tries a little bit, but she mostly just kind of cries and whines that she can't do it. And then she goes and confronts coach directly because she's just like, I can't I can't take it anymore. All the girls are teasing me. Um, I can't. My man to me. I can't do this. And he's like, look, 
let me let me show you something. And then he like takes her out to go watch a uh, Amino run. And she's got like these like sandals that have like these giant heaps of uh, iron underneath as like weighted shoes that she's running in. And he's basically like, you got to work like, look, it's not talent. You know, it's hard work. You know, you got to work hard, strive for the things you want. You know, she's not good at piloting because she's naturally gifted in that sense. She fucking took the bull by the horns and learned how to do it. You do the same. And so she does. She spends weeks practicing. She gets better. She learns the basics and fundamentals of piloting the mech. And then one of her jealous classmates, whose name is uh, Reiko Kashiwara. Um, yeah. Yes. She basically challenges her she's to a duel because she's super jealous that she wasn't picked, even though she feels she's more qualified. She goes and she makes like a big scene in front of like uh, Abano and the coach. And then uh, she challenges Noriko to a duel. And then Noriko does, you know, the famous dive kick. Which is awesome. Um, I love this scene. Uh, yeah, it's very, very cool. And every time they tried to recreate it in Die Buster, I was like, this looks stupid. Yes. Um, that's that's one of the things that I like about this series. I feel like it earns all of its moments, whereas Die Buster does not. It's just like, call back. Exactly. Rem- remember this from Gunbuster? We're going to do it again in this one. But it's going to be like a bigger and we're going to play the same music and it's going to it's going to like hit the emotional ties for you. But um, but yeah, so she's overcome her first obstacle. But following this in episode two through four is the start of her downward spiral arc. Um, So basically, as soon as she gets to space, I call episode two getting into trouble. Not really, because that's the official title, but that's just kind of, like, what happens in the episode. So, basically, Amino and Noriko arrive in space, and immediately they start causing trouble. Because there is a... She... uh, She's German, right? Or Russian? I think she's Russian. Her name is... She's fucking cool. Yeah, her name is... uh, I think I'm pronouncing this right. John Freud? Freud? I don't know how to pronounce her name. It might be Jung. Jung? I don't I don't remember how it's pronounced, but it's, it's either Jung or Jung. Okay, I'm just going to call her Jung throughout this then. Um, but she's basically like this uh, other kind of like top-ranking uh, soldier that they've got now. Um... And she's kind of, like, looking to challenge Amino because she wants to see who's better between the two of them. So... Yeah, because she is German, right? I think I think so. Okay, then it's Jung. Okay. Or Jung. I, th- I think she's kind of like the proto-Oscar. <laughs> yeah, because her, her last name's Freud, so yeah, it's Jung Freud. Jung Freud, okay. Um, oh, she, yeah, she's a member of the Soviet Space Squadron. It's still probably young. Okay. Um, but yeah, so they kind of, you know, do this thing where, you know, they're out on like this uh, exercise where they're supposed to be out, like kind of learning how to use the mechs in space or whatever. 
but they all kind of just go over, uh, they turn off their, uh, I forget what they're called, but basically, like, their little navigation boxes that, like, ping where they are so they can't be tracked. Um, and they engage in a little duel, and they end up, like, busting into the side of the ship and going into, like, these, uh, kind of classified areas where there happens to be a dead space monster just chilling in the, <laughs> chilling in this, uh, yeah, facility. just like a carcass and a big, and a big, a big, bat. A big jar, yeah. yeah. So, um, this kind of freaks Noriko out because she's like, oh, one of these things killed my dad. That's wonderful. And then she starts, like, breaking down. And then they get scolded by the coach, but he's basically like, you guys are on probation. Don't do this shit again or else, like, we're humanity's fucked. Don't do this. I'm counting on you too. Um, but immediately, so basically, like, they meet, like, the captain of the ship, and he explains, like, oh, you guys have, like, eight months until this ship is ready to go, and we're gonna go engage in battle with the space monsters. So they're engaging in, like, another kind of exercise thing, but in this, they have to pass the Exelion. Um, yeah, they have to go do something, like, in deep, far space. Yeah. And they're like, if you, you'll be, by the time you get back, it will be almost ready to go, kind of thing. Like, it should only take them, like, two months or something, and they'll still, but... Yeah. But, um, when they pass the Exelion, Noriko, like, kind of freaks out, and she just immediately jumps on board. And she sees that it's, like, two minutes after, like... The battle famously like wrapped up or whatever. Or no, it's two. It's two days. Oh, was it two days? Yeah, oh, I guess that would make more sense. So it only been like two days because it's still like at. It's still just traveling at like near light speed. So she makes her way to the bridge of the ship where her father would be, and she opens it up, and obviously the entire bridge has been fucking just chomped off. Um. And she freaks out, but Coach immediately, like, comes and grabs her, and he's like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, we gotta get out of here fast. We're gonna, like, plow through just the walls, because we just have to get out. And when they do, they get back on Amino's uh, ship thing, and then she's he's like, how late are we? And she's like, 12 seconds, and he's like, oh, fuck, all right. They get back, and it's, like, one week before they set out. Like, yeah, they've so they've been gone, like... All their time. Yeah, it had been originally. Young was like, "Yeah, when you get back, it'll be the day, like the day before my birthday." But instead, they missed it. Yep. Uh so yeah, there's like a big welcome back party, but um, obviously Noriko is still very distraught, seeing as because it had just happened. Yeah, so she just kind of runs off by herself, and then uh, yeah, that's that's like the end of this episode and then continuing this arc in the next episode we see like basically it begins with them telling like they're like going into like warp speed or whatever and they're talking about hyperspace how it's like connected to the spiritual world and how like uh spirits will like wander the halls of like ships looking for their dead relatives and shit like that yeah telling ghost stories and then Obviously, like, there's this 
thing that everybody is doing where they send out like one person with a ribbon and they go out and they like tie it to a certain area out in the middle of the ship. And uh, Noriko gets elected for this, even though she's obviously like very <laughs> afraid. Like she, she's like covering her ears during the ghost story and shit. But she has to go out, and when she goes out and is doing this, she meets a wonderful friend named Torin Smith, her Smith Torin, um, who is voiced by the voice actor for Frankie from One Piece. Um, you love One Piece. I do. I do love One Piece. And Frankie's your favorite character. He's not, but I re- he's a member of the crew, so I gotta give him mad respect. He's your 17th favorite character. Um, I don't know. I'd have to really think about that. But there's a lot of characters in One Piece. <laughs> some of which are better than some of the ones on the crew. I will admit that, but... It's okay. What, even Luffy? Huh? Even Luffy? I'd say that there are better characters in One Piece that are, like, more well-written and have more dimensions than Luffy does. Luffy is still one of my favorite characters, but, um, he's definitely not, like, the show's most well-written. He has the hat. He does have a hat. He's one of many (laughs) characters who has a hat in One Piece. Trafalgar Law has a big mushroom hat. It's pretty cool. Um... Good old mushroom hat. It's pretty legit. I've thought about getting one, but it would look weird in real life. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, basically she meets uh, this boy named uh, Torin Smith. Smith Torin, whatever. Whatever your flavor is, you know. But basically, uh, he kind of like goes up and ties up her ribbon for her and they talk and... He seems like a nice guy, but she goes back uh, after being Co- scolded by the coach. Yeah, coach shows up and he's like, what the fuck? You guys are supposed to be in your dorms. Report to me once you uh, once we're out of work. So they're stuck. They go outside and they're like kind of cleaning uh, the front of the ship. And Noriko's like looking off in space and she's like, wow, isn't it beautiful out there? And of course, Smith's being kind of a pessimist. He's like, ah, it's just a little bunch of dead stars or whatever. Uh, but immediately while they're outside, the ship gets attacked by, uh, space monsters. And, uh, so they, like, go inside and, uh, I'm trying, I'm trying to remember, like, the exact order that things happen. Because I know this is the episode where her and Amino break up, but I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it's... The exact it's, order. Because I know... I think this little battle happens. She doesn't get involved in this, I don't think. I don't remember. But basically, like, some time passes. And she overhears Amino talking to Coach. And Amino is basically like... Kind she's of not ready. Yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pilot with her. Like, that's, that's just what's gonna happen. I'm not gonna do it. And while this time she's, like, in her, uh, she's in the cockpit of her mech just, like, cleaning or, like, looking around or something. And she accidentally hits the button to open up the cockpit and they just look over at her and she's, they're like, ah, fuck. And then she just basically tells it straight to her face. She's like, I'm sorry, but it's true. You're, you suck. You're not up to par. 
And you suck. She's just like, ah, oh, shit. So she kind of goes off and she's sad. She talks to Smith because they've been like hitting on each other this entire time. And he's basically like, well, you know, I've been, I've been looking for someone to pilot with, you know, if you, if you're looking for someone, you know, I, we could pilot together, you know? And she's like, really? Oh, and she like drinks from his juice box and she's like, oh, a second hand kiss. Oh, <laughs> uh, so time comes space monsters attack again and it's like a real battle. They're sending out like the students and they're like, all right, everybody do your best, you know? So they're out there and basically Noriko just kind of can't, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? She chokes, you know, she, yeah. She can't cope with the stress. She's freaking out. Yeah. And she's uh, out there with fucking Smith and then Smith's, Smith's doing it. Smith's trying. He's like, listen, you just got to breathe. Yep. But, uh, Smith gets fucking got wiped out. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> like suddenly he's there and then his communication, like it doesn't even show anything. Just his communications go offline. She's like, Smith, Smith. Yep. And uh, she gets back on the ship, and Smith's not there to meet her. Uh, we see... I, I had a hard time telling if they were trying to insinuate if this was her ship or Smith's ship or mech. But, like, they show, like, a really beat up and kind of bloody mech on, like, where, like, they're all coming in. And I think that was supposed to be Smith's. I believe so. But, yeah, so basically, like, she's just kind of moping around. Everybody knows... That, you know, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say she was responsible for Smith's death, but I know a lot of people would see it that way. Yeah. I don't think she was responsible either, but I, no. many people probably would. Yeah, because, like, in that situation, she... She couldn't really have done anything. Yeah, she had, like, a stick. And it was like, what was she gonna do, hit it? Like, obviously, like, she got lucky in the fact that these things didn't hit her mech, but instead they went for Smith's. Yeah. Because they, like, passed by her and see him, like, fly, like, really close by her, but I don't think they, like, actually physically hit her mech, but it seems like they did obviously get Smith's. Um, But yeah, so she's just kind of obviously a wreck. Uh, She goes to Coach and she basically is like, I like, I couldn't save him. I couldn't do anything. And he's like, we'll, we'll train harder then. So they start training harder. And it seems like she's getting the handle on things a bit better. But uh, then young Freud decides to challenge her. Because she's like, oh, you know, she's getting a lot of special training from Coach recently. She must be really good. And, like, the second they, like, step outside into space, she has, like, a PTSD episode and just, like breaks down. And this is, is this still in episode three or is it the beginning of episode four? I think this is the beginning of episode four. They just like, yeah, I think episode three ends around the point where Smith died. Um, yeah, it's just, they, I think she, she like at one point walks into like the dorm room where they like his country or whatever was staying and they all just kind of look at her and she just walks out. And I think that's where pretty much it ends. Yeah. The episodes just, like, bleed so well into each other. That's true. Unlike, Unlike a something, series. Unlike <laughs> something we'll be talking about. My headphones oh. came unplugged there. Let me make sure everything's still, still kosher. 
Okay, it seems like everything's fine. Okay. But yeah, so basically she has this little PTSD episode and then another another big like space monster attack happens. And like everybody goes out except the coach is like hey, you Noriko, stand by. So she just kind of goes to her room and she's just sitting on her bed and she's crying and this is like probably my favorite scene from Gunbuster. I love this scene. Because she's just like sitting on the bed and she's like kind of look. She has like the blue ribbon in her hand because she had gone and like untied it at some point after Smith's death and has been carrying it around as like a way to remember him. Um, And we see her sitting on the bed and, she, you know, she's asking herself questions. She's like, you know, all I can do is like sit here and cry. Am I going to die like this? And then we see like a look in her eyes and then. It does this hard cut because we see her like sitting there with the ribbon in her hand and then it just like cuts to like a shot of her like with the ribbon already like tied on her head and like this completely different look in her eyes. And I really like that they do this cut here because it's like we don't see the moment where she actually like decides. We see like the moment like leading up to it. But it's like it was like her own like little personal moment. And I really like when stuff like media does stuff like that. It adds, like, yeah. a lot of dimensions and makes the characters feel real. But she's basically like, Smith, I'm sorry, but the old me died with you. And she gets in the fucking gunbuster by herself. Yeah, this, this gunbuster thing that they've been talking about this whole time with very brief, like, they showed, like, a picture, like, a there was, like, a shot of, like, the face of it, but you haven't really seen most of it the whole time. All you know is it, it's not really, like, operational fully yet. Yeah, they're still working on it, and you know that this is the thing that Coach has been prepping them for. And she just fucking gets out, and she's going for it without anybody's permission, and the captain of the ship is like, whoa, 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 what the fuck are you doing? But then Coach just, like, pops up yeah, on a different co- channel. He's the like, captain's like... Fuck it, there's only 10 minutes of, there's, like, it's not operational yet. And she's like, there's 10 minutes of power. And then Coach just hops on a different channel and is like, look, you're going to have to do this, 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 this. Good luck. And the captain's like, what the fuck are you doing? And she gets out there and she fucking does it, dude. She, everyone's <laughs> like, what the fuck is that? They just she's shooting. like destroying thousands of things. She's just shooting laser beams. Yeah, she just, so it's like this giant fucking robot going out there in the famous Gynax arm crossed pose, you know? Yeah. And it goes out there and everyone's like, holy shit, is that Noriko? What the fuck? And she goes out and she pulls out her gun and she's trying to shoot this giant space monster, but it's too fast for her. So she's like, oh, fuck, I'm going to have to just take a hit from this. So she kind of gets ready for it, and then the thing comes for her, and it, like, pierces through her, like, uh, torso armor plate like a swordfish, and she just, like, has it, has it so she has, like, a steady shot at it, and she just points the gun and fucking blasts it away. And it's like, I, God, I fucking love episode four. Comparing, like, episode four of both Gunbuster and Diebuster is, like, completely different. Like, I can't even... I can't even remember what happened. Yeah, episode, in episode four of Die Buster is when uh, Nono becomes God. 
on Pluto. Ah. They're both the moments when the characters kind of, like, realize, like, oh, I can do this, but obviously it works in this one, and I don't think it works very well for the other one. (laughs) For different reasons. But, (laughs) yeah, so she starts floating over, she takes Amino in her hand, and, uh, yeah, they save the day. And then episode five. So basically, they return to Earth. Um, they had had plans to return to Earth before um, Noriko was talking, and she was like, oh, you know, I'm gonna maybe go visit uh, Smith's mom, because she was talking about that before she had her little awakening moment. Um, I don't think she does it. They don't show anything about it, so... I assume she's just kind of like, eh, whatever. But, so, they're on Earth. Noriko does, uh, they graduate. Yeah. Which is funny, because it had only been, like, four months for them or something. So, Noriko still is only, like, 14 years old, and had only been to school for, like, four months. And she's like, here's your graduation degree. You go. So... They get there, and she's like, oh, wow, this is weird. Everyone's gone. And uh, we forgot to mention this character earlier. She has a friend on Earth who was, like, friends with her in class named uh, Takami. Um, Uh, Yeah, Kimiko Takami, right? Or it's Kimiko, Yeah, it is Kimiko. I'm looking at... I'm looking at a... The, this list of characters that has like character pictures and it's it's wrong. They give her the wrong name. The, at least oh. the translation I watched and have always watched, they call her Kimiko. Yeah, Kimiko. They were like best friends, and now she's twenty four or whatever, and has a three year old daughter. Yeah. So they kind of like just talk for a little bit. They catch up, and uh, basically Kimiko asks her. She's like, "Hey, you know." Basically, you guys are about to go off on your big mission, you know, the big one that we've been waiting for. And uh, I'm thinking, like, because basically humanity is prepping, like, a plan B, seeing how, like, it seems pretty impossible that humanity will be able to survive. Um, So they're, like, sending off this big ship, and obviously it's got, like, when you're sending off, like, limited amount of humans, the elite elitism is gonna like play into it obviously so she asked she's like hey can you use your connections to get my daughter on there you know so she tries but i she can't uh she calls her back later and uh she's like out on a date with her husband or something so she talks to the daughter and she's like can you pass along the message you know sorry i can't um but yeah so basically that happens. We see a meeting where Noriko goes and she talks to the coach, but as she's going to talk to the coach, she comes across the scene where Amino like smacks the coach and like runs out crying. Um, no, the coach smacks Amino. Oh yeah, fuck. I'm sorry. <laughs> because like I think he's like doesn't want Noriko to fucking hear what they're saying. So he, like, smacks her to stop her from talking. He's like, no! Yeah. But, uh... 
Yeah, so uh, Amino runs out, Noriko runs in, and Coach is like, immediately, as soon as uh, Amino runs out of the room, he like, coughs up blood and keels over. And she's like, she goes over and she's like, oh, let me call the, call an ambulance. And he like, hits the fucking receiver or whatever the fuck you call those old analog phone buttons. Um, He's like, don't tell Amino. Yeah. Uh, and it's obviously that they're, like, in love with each other, but... Yeah. He doesn't want Amino to know, and then it, we find out, like, ten minutes later that she knows. Yeah, it was pretty... He's like, of course I fucking know. But a giant fucking space monster fleet is heading towards Earth. People are freaking out. So... Like, giant, like... 20, 30 times one, yeah. is the size of the last one. Yeah. So they have to, like, go out and deal with this, and uh, Coach doesn't want her to tell Amino because she's like... Or his logic is, you know, if she knows she won't be able to fight. So they go on the ship, and Noriko, who is, like, the worst at taking hints from anybody... <laughs> She's a child, it's okay. I know, but it's like, she watched the coach, like, cop up blood. And she hasn't, like, put two and two together yet, but she's like, oh, you know, it'll be before no time. You can come back and marry the coach, and then... Because it's only supposed to be six months, and Amino's like, he doesn't, he only has six months to live! Yeah. He's going to die, but I may not ever see him again! Yeah. And, like, as they're traveling at near light speed, like, Amino's like, and you can see the, like, clock ticking by. She's like, no, I can't do it. She, like, zooms out. She's like, oh, and Noriko has to go, like, be like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And she gives her a prep talk, and they end up fighting this swarm of monsters and succeeding. They Man, the visuals at the end of episode five, this huge battle, are fucking fantastic. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh. Yeah, and they succeed, and uh, that's... And they get back right at the end, and they run in, and Coach is alive. Hell yeah. And then they get married. Yep. And then episode this six happens. Fucking, act, this last episode fucking threw me for a loop. Episode six. Because it opens up, and it just says, 15 years later. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> episode six is um a fucking classic. I love episode six. It might be like one of my favorite like standalone anime episodes from like anything ever. Like I fucking dig episode six. So basically some time has passed. We find out that uh Amino has decided to like stay on Earth after the events of episode five while Noriko continues to like you know, be out in space. Uh, so Amino had stayed behind with Coach. He had died uh, like a good handful of years after the episode five had happened. Yeah, did he like? I it doesn't really say, but did he like? I I think he had like just died, like right when she's like, okay, I'm leaving. It, like that. That's the main like reason why she's like decided to go do this mission because. The main reason she was, like, staying was... Yeah. He was dead now. I, I think that's right. Um, I wasn't paying particularly close attention to the dates on uh, the final episode, and uh, with his uh, 
tombstone, but that seems about right. So, yeah, so basically there's another, there's another thing they got to take care of. And, uh, basically, okay, so another alien army has appeared and, uh, they have to like, well, it's not. It's it's like they know they're just like we're gonna go to the alien army's fucking house yeah. and blow it the fuck up. Pretty pretty much. So they go there and just, that's their plan. They like there's like some reunion stuff. Like uh, when Amino comes back onto the ship, there's an obvious uh, like dynamic change. She's she kind of views Noriko as kind of like the older sister type, like the one to look up to, um, as opposed to like the role she kind of played throughout the whole series, even though she's much older than Noriko. Uh, yeah, but yeah, basically, she's like just because the last real memory of her she had was like her like knocking her like senses loose. And then she's been thinking about that like one day for like fifteen fucking years. Yep. Meanwhile, well, it's for Noriko, it's been six months. Yeah. Uh, so, fucking. Uh, yeah. They just kind of prep this battle. They get into it. Um, they're bringing. Uh, the one thing that happened in the last battle is they, uh, like they they blew up Jupiter. Um, yeah. But now they have Jupiter, this like, but the three thousandth of its size. They condensed it. There's a lot of wacky, uh, fake science in the show. Yes, but that's fine because it's fun. <laughs> um, but they're gonna they're pretty much gonna launch Jupiter at it and like form a giant fucking black hole and just like suck up all the bad guys. That's that's their goal. Yeah. And uh it's things seem to be going well, but at the last second it turns out that like there's some technical issue. Like they don't have a specific type of uh science generator type thing. I don't I don't fucking know. Um So what it is is there's like pretty much think of Jupiter as this big bomb. And it needs a hundred fuses to like, or it needs ninety nine fuses to fucking go off, but only ninety eight of them like activate. Yeah. So the fucking Noriko's like, there's a fucking fuse in the gunbuster. So I'm gonna go down there and I'm gonna shove this in. And then um, Amino decides she's going to tag along because she has, like, this extra fuse in hers, which will allow them to get back to Earth. But they acknowledge that when they do this, um, they won't be returning to the same time period. The time dilation is going to be, like, so fucked up on ground zero. They think it's going to be, like, decades or maybe even hundreds of years. So. And, uh, fucking... Young tries to go with them, yeah. but they're like, your, your fucking, your mech isn't going to be able to survive this, the pressurization of going down here. You can't, you have to go with them. And she's like, but 
you're and they're like we're gonna stay alive but and Young's like freaking out but she's like you're not gonna be alive in our time anymore we're all gonna be dead and she's like yes but we're gonna do this so everyone else can live together yep so and this little this little like exchange of words might be like my favorite part of the series I feel it um but basically uh Young decides she's like alright when you guys get back we're gonna give you a nice big greeting. She like flies back, and then the moment that really got me was uh like right as they're about to do it, uh, Noriko calls out to Kimiko, and then like Kimiko like hears it off. Yeah. The um. That gave me Gurren Logan vibes as well. Oh yeah. But like in a good way. Oh for sure. This is Gurren Logan's fucking grandmother. We're talking yep. about here. Um, it it is, but yeah. So they do it. They like, you know, the famous earned rip of the tit. You know, <laughs> I still don't know if I really like it. Like it was fine. I was just like, I, it at least made sense in this scenario. Yes, and the other and Die Buster like never made sense like at all. No, it never made sense in Die Buster. I I feel like this series earned it with like just, <laughs> just t- because it's like it it's the very final like it's like the climactic moment they're tearing off the torso plate of like the mech so at least it like kind of correlates with that and yeah yeah like I said it's the final episode so they like build up to this moment so I feel like it's been earned whereas they do it in episode one of Die Buster and it's like that that wasn't earned at all. <laughs> But that's true. Yeah, so they rip out the uh, fuse that they need, and they shove it in, and they back the fuck up, and uh, it happens. And then they like they come to, and they're like, "Oh, you know, here we are, twelve thousand years in the future." And they're like looking at Earth, and they're like, "It's so dark. I can't even tell where where fucking." places are anymore because the geography has changed so much and then suddenly some lights start lighting up and it says welcome back but it's kind of fucked up because obviously language hasn't uh yeah uh the only real thing is so it's it's welcome back in pretty simplified japanese but the final letter is like reverse yeah being like Jesus Christ. I was like, remember when I said the beginning of the episode when it said 15 years later, I'm like, what the fuck? When it said 12,000 years later, I was like, audibly, I'm like, excuse me? (laughs) It's like, we won't last that long. What the fuck? But yeah, they make it and uh, they float down to Earth and uh, we see this nice final credit sequence we get a shot of the earth and then uh, we see like the top of the gunbuster kind of like float by like the wreckage of it in space which uh, the final episode of Die Buster then does like this exact same <laughs> sequence as well that, just is, with, that it does with its own X variables instead of uh, earth and the gunbuster uh, yeah so I fucking love gunbuster I think it's a it's a very simple series, but it just it hits all of the notes. It's very well executed, very well directed. 
I can't help but, like, just feel very emotional and hype whenever I watch it. Whenever, like, the coach's fucking sunglasses start to glimmer, I'm just like, oh, yeah, it's coming. It's really good. Gunbuster is very, very, very good. Um, I was extremely impressed by it. I thought pretty much the whole series was really solid, and then the last two episodes, like, blew me the fuck away. Yeah. It seems to be, like, like I think most people's, like, general takeaway from it. I know that, that was, like, my initial impression of the series. I was like, holy shit. Oh, yeah. I like how the last episode is just in black and white. Oh, yeah. Pure, purely Gynax artistic liberties, but yeah. I love it. And the only thing that's in color is, what, the fucking last, the, the welcome home sign? Yep. Yeah. I also... I think that mecha shows are interesting because they're never just as good as, like, how good the mech fights are. They're always... Mech shows are always interesting for what... The character. What they try to be, you know? It's yeah. like... You can just have a fun mech fight. Cool. But things like Mobile Suit Gundam, Gunbuster, Gurren Logon, they always have, like, these big, grandiose, like, ideas that they want to insert and they use the mecha format to deliver these philosophical discussions oh yeah for sure um and gunbusters obviously got like the big like core theme of you know hard work will prevail you know yeah and you know it's pretty pretty simple especially since like so many uh mech anime Probably before. I, I'm not super familiar with, like, early mech before Gunbuster, uh, but definitely after have had that theme, especially Gynax stuff. Um, and we're gonna see a lot of that straight-up copied and pasted into Diebuster. Kind of. Yeah. But they're, they're gonna simultaneously while going, hard work is up. gonna pay off, but also... The main character is no, going to be this not. super god robot who has just like super overpowered abilities. And it's just like, all right, well, well okay. What would you score, Gunbuster? Are, are we done uh, overall? Yeah, I'd, I'd actually give it like a nine. I I loved it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it a nine too. I know last week I was like softening it up. I was like, it's a seven or an eight, but it'd been a while since I watched it. But I always forget just how fucking just well executed it is so i'm gonna give it a nine as well it's like i have a couple friends that are always like you don't really like anime and i'm like i just like good anime <laughs> like what? like look at gun gunbusters fucking amazing yeah no there's just there's a lot i of usually mecha like mech animes that's like my thing i'm just like i love mech animes <laughs> i like i like mech animes if they're well done there, there, that's true. There are definitely I just some like. That are I guess ones. most of the mech animes I've seen have been very good, and that's the only thing. Yeah. All right. <sighs> Die Buster. Oh, Die Buster. <sighs> okay. Can we just t- not talk about this and pretend we did? <laughs> uh, okay. So, Die Buster is about a girl named No No, who has dreams of becoming a space pilot. Um, but she just kind of lives in some rural place. She lives on, like, a farm. At the beginning of the series, she kicks a dog. 
Yeah, no, like, I don't like how they abuse this poor dog. I'm just like, wow, I can already, I can already tell I'm not gonna like this. <laughs> yeah. Huh. But, um, yeah, so, it's this girl, it's not, I, I think they first state it in the second episode, but she's a robot. And they, there's never, like, a big reveal where, like, someone's, like, taking, like, some sort of physical test on her or anything. And they're like, oh, by the way, you're a robot or something. It's just... Yeah, I think I missed it the first time they said it. I, I, I legitimately it was just think, so nonchalant. I think legitimately the first time I noticed them saying it was when um, Nikolai or no, Nicola or whatever the fuck his name is. And that older guy are, like, watching them in the bathhouse on TV and they're like... Oh, yeah, she's a robot. Why is there... There's so much, like, really fucking creepy stuff in this show. There really is. Um, I'm just like, what the fuck? Why are you putting this in my show? Like, I will say that there is... There's quite a bit of, like, naked girl in Gunbuster. Yeah, but... Or not quite a bit, but it's always most natu- of it feels like a natural very natural, and the, the the cinematography never really sexualizes anything. It's just like, yep, that girl has her breasts out. It's just kind of a matter of life. Yeah. While Diebuster, like, multiple times in the first episode, it's just like, look at the shot, she's alone, but we're just gonna zoom in on her crotch for no fucking reason. They even, like, use the term moe in the series, and, like, shit, like, lolly, and it's just like, what? I mean, I'm... And I'm just like, what the fuck are you doing? And it's like, like I don't know, it... Like, obviously, Gunbuster and Diebuster are two different animes. I shouldn't expect Diebuster... To necessarily, but I mean, Die Buster is called Gunbuster Two Die Buster, so I mean, I feel like it's pretty fine to like compare the two. No, no, I'm not saying don't compare the two. I know, oh, okay. I know a lot of people who are probably fans of Die Buster would look at it like, oh, you know, like um, I watched a video that was kind of like praising Die Buster over Gunbuster. And it wasn't like they were, like, shit-talking Gunbuster. It was just a video on the two series. But the person who was making the video was making it clear. It's like, I prefer Die Buster between these two series. And he was... I, and I, 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 I was hard to disagree. Um, but his, his frame of reference is, like, he feels like each show was, like, a representation of Mech from that specific era. Like, he feels like Gunbuster is, like, a good representation of, like, 80s Mech, while Die Buster felt like a good representation of like the 2000s mechs and i personally because i don't i i don't know like where die buster sits on like the line of release for 2000s mechs i feel like it was like an attempt to like become kind of like i don't know because it, it it obviously is like the forethought to gurren logan and it definitely feels <laughs> like That's what makes me so sad, because Gurren Logan is, like, my favorite anime. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is so bad. Yeah. I don't know. I prob- You probably like Die Buster a little more than me. I hated Die Buster. See, I'm, I'm trying... I... Like, and is, maybe, I, maybe it's the idea that I just like anime from the 80s more... Like, the 70s and 80s, I tend to just like that era of anime more from my recent watches. But, like, I just thought Die Buster just 
all of its ideas were pretty fucking like flat. Like n- oh, none uh, of like. I. It's just. I, oh. Yeah. No, I agree. I'm. I'm just kind of like trying to like at least get a little bit of a devil's advocate perspective in here since we're both going to be shitting on it. Cause I'm trying, I'm trying to understand because I know a lot of people who genuinely like die buster. And I like to the point where I was like pretty, pretty confident that I was going to like it going into it. And then I was just fucking, I hated it. Like I, like I did, like I, I won't go as far as to like, trash talk the show on like fucking message boards or anything like i probably won't talk about it online beyond yeah, this episode. once we're once we're done with this i probably won't i'll try not to think about the show um but i'll probably re-watch it again like next time i go through gunbuster just at least one more time that way i can say like i gave it another shot and have time to like think about it but I don't know, like, it didn't feel different enough from Gunbuster to me, like, I was kind of able to tell from episode one the path that it laid out, like, I was like, oh, these are gonna be, like, the kind of beats that happen. Obviously, there are some things in it that took me by surprise, like, I wasn't expecting the shit with, uh, like, the twins to go down, like, how it did, and I wasn't expecting, like, uh, Nicola to go down like the route he did. I was. I was like, are they gonna do some fucking stupid ass, like, gross fucking y- yucky sexual assault? I, I should have seen it coming, but the way that the show was, like, no, kind I of building you. up to it, I, I just kind of took it for typical, like, anime Japanese pervertedness, as opposed to, like, these characters are just kind of meant to be gross perverted characters because it didn't because like earlier when we first see like nicola when he's like doing his little uh like curvy lady thing when he's like talking to that guy who's watching the two main characters on like the bathhouse on the tv uh it's just like i don't know it's obviously like they were perverts but i I, it wasn't like it didn't have like that typical like i don't know I don't know what I'm trying to describe. Like, it didn't have, like, a very dark tone to it, so... Typically, when, like, they're trying to portray, like, rapey stuff in anime, they, like, have, like, a pretty, like... I don't know. They tend to make it clearer, but it didn't feel different from, like, the typical, like, prideful pervert that I find in a lot of anime series. But then, obviously, he crosses that line in episode four or five or whatever it is and it's just like oh yeah you're a gross character and i don't really like that we've had as they don't like devote a whole lot of time to his character but i feel like just the time that they did devote to him was just like oh well i didn't like any of that yeah i feel it um i didn't like oh what was that character's name let me let me pull up the Die Buster list here. The Tycho science character who got like a whole episode devoted to her. I didn't like her. I didn't like her arc. I, it was very by the numbers. I knew I knew with like episode one, I was like, they're going to try to subvert our expectations in the future where it's like, we're going to like view these characters as like, oh, this one is supposed to be 
like the Noriko of the series, and this one's supposed to be the uh, the fucking Amino. But I knew that they were going to do like that last minute switch where it's like, oh, this character is more of the Amino of this series, or kind of plays that role. And it's just like, I don't know. The series is not not good. I don't like that the main character was a robot that was just like built and found and just happened to be super overpowered. Cause like Gunbuster, if it, I don't know, like like I said, Gunbuster felt like it earned a lot of its shit, and this series did not. I don't know. What have you got to say about it? I've just been kind of it's just like for the last no. I, it's just I. It kind of just makes me angry. <laughs> it on that's when I when I said like thinking about this reminds me of episode nine <laughs> because like it just I don't say a lot about episode nine because I'm not gonna be like antagonistic to a director like that I don't like because that's exactly what happened with the Last Jedi. I'm yeah. not gonna just belittle J.J. Abrams because he made a movie I don't like. But, like, episode 9 has a lot of things that just, like, feel like cop-outs or they feel super disingenuous just to be, like, a callback. And that's exactly, that's what Die Buster feels like in its entirety. Like, there was no characters that I liked. Most of the characters I thought were terrible. Um, There are, like, a couple cool action scenes, but even some of the action scenes, I think, are much better in the original series. Um, None of the action scenes really spoke to me from this one. Like, the the big one where fucking Nono cuts the planet in half, I'd already seen a clip of that, like, Uh fucking years ago. And I thought it was, like, cool then, and I think it's kind of cool now, but all the surrounding scenes around it are just, like, okay... (laughs) Yeah. Um, I just... this It's just pretty much every episode. This show is also really, really hard for me to watch. I don't know what it was, but I just found it aggressively boring. (laughs) Like, I just didn't care about any of the characters, and the setup was a lot dumber, I guess, to me. Yeah. I feel like with... (laughs) Gunbuster, like it obviously focused on less characters than this one was trying to focus on, and I feel like for a six episode OVA, that works much better, because like obviously we got like that whole episode that belonged to uh whatever her name was the Tycho Science, um, and I like don't even remember her. She she's she's the girl. <laughs> from the snowfall episode, you know, the like one who uh, couldn't save her friend and is like, Oh my, uh, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, I finished the series and then I feel like I forgot everything, even though I just finished it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have a similar kind of feeling like a lot of it didn't stick with me and it's just like, "Mm." But, yeah, because, like, they build up her character for that episode, and I would have been more accepting of that, because I I get, like, oh, you know, you're wanting to have more characters, but then they do nothing with her character for the rest of the series, and it's like, you could have at least had her, like, become relevant, at least for, like, a plot, like, a 
key point in the plot, like for the final episode or something to make it feel like it paid off, but it just didn't. She's in that one episode and then she's just kind of like a background uh, kind of like young Freud character for this series. And it's just like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. So I guess let's go over what happens in the series. Yeah, just real so, real briefly. Let's let's first episode. No, no, she's she's she gets a job at a fucking cafe. Yeah, she like runs away from home, gets a job at a cafe, and she's like super bragalicious. She's like, "I'm gonna be a space pilot," and then everyone around her is like, "Yeah, right. You all you do is break plates. You're not gonna be a space." Yeah, pilot. she's she has this big thing where she's like. I, everything I touch, I split. Yep. And it's like, oh boy, I can't wait to see how they make this a useful tool later on in the series. Yeah, I'm like, I wonder if... Uh, as soon as that happened, I'm like, I wonder if this is the anime where she she cuts the planet in half. Yep. <laughs> and then it happened later, I'm like, hey, it's the anime where she cuts the planet in half. But, um... So, basically, it turns out there's some space pilots in the bar. A couple of them start getting really fucking rapey with Nono. Yeah. Um, but then, uh... Then... What is this girl's name? Come. What is her name? Lalsi. I That's how... Lalsi? I, I that think how that's what it, it is. That's how I was pronouncing it. I mean, obviously, I was watching it subtitled. I don't know if a dub exists for this, but, uh... Yeah, that's, but Lalsi, she saves her. Um, and she's part of like this idle group of pilots with exceptionally high kill rates. Uh, they they're just called the like, elite fraternity. Yeah, the fraternity, and they work <laughs> underneath like these. Uh, the, they refer to them as the twins. I think they have actual names, but I mean, who cares? They're not really super. Imp- I mean, they have, like, their purpose in the show, and they definitely are important. The Serpentine Sisters. The Serpentine Sisters. But, yeah. so That's dumb. Basically, um, there are these things called Topless in this series. Yeah, they're, like, the teenage pilots in this are all called Topless, where they, like, they, they can summon buster machines, which are, like, pretty much living machines. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's like it's like a temporary power. Like it's not like a stand thing from JoJo's where it's like you have like one Buster machine your whole life, and it's like your your thing. It's like you get a Buster machine, you become a topless or whatever. Maybe you have like the latent ability to become a topless, but you have to like become a topless, and you get a machine like assigned to you or whatever it is. And then eventually you lose it. Yeah, eventually you're like ability runs out and that's like a big thing throughout the series because we see that the serpentine sisters is that what you called them is that what they're the called? serpentine sisters serpentine. Yeah. um yeah so they have like figured out a way to kind of like fend off their expiration date i don't know if that's what it's called that's what i'm going to call it um their expiration date um so they've just been like, there's like some sort of meat they've been eating that's like had it so they can like preserve their power for longer. And uh, Nicola has also been eating some of this meat. He's been kind of like their little, their little uh, lap puppet. dog through this, their puppet. They've been giving him scraps and he's been taking them because he's 
obviously afraid of losing his ability. Um, and they awaken an actual space monster, because it turns out... It turns out that all of the space monsters they've been fighting are not are space monsters. The first generation buster machines that were, uh, like, assigned to, like, live in the outer rim of the planet, like, you know, in the ozone layers, and fucking defend Earth from the bad guys, but eventually they turned on them thinking, oh, these are the bad guys. Yeah. Um, But they awaken an actual space monster that these twins think is, like, an eternal topless that would, like have their abilities there forever. Yeah. Um, but the, it's actually the real space monster, and it fucking just decimates the twins. Yeah. And while all of this is going on, so basically up until this point, um, No-No um, has been sucked. trying to get a buster, because basically she she's part of the crew, and uh, Lol C really likes her. But obviously, there's like a sort of respect thing that doesn't happen. Like, because No No's like, yeah, I want to be like one of the best pilots. I want to help people. And everyone's just like, you're not going to get a buster. You're not cut out for it. Just stop. Just accept your place. She's like, no, I'm going to get a buster. So she talks to the Serpentine sisters and they're like, you know, we don't have any busters here, but if you go over to Pluto. There's this, like, fucking just broken down old, like, fossilized buster that's just been on that planet forever. If you can get it to work, you can have that. So she takes the bait and goes to Pluto. And I forget, like, their exact reasoning. They know... Do they know what she is? Because they're like, we need to get her out of the way. We need her at Pluto. Oh, they they use her as, like, bait to lure, like, a bunch of uh, the fake... Uh, the fake machine, the fake, like, uh... The first generation yeah, first, alternate buster machines. Yes, to, like, lure those over towards Pluto. And then when they wake up the space monster, it obviously, like, destroys a bunch of them. And then, uh, Nono has, like, this moment where she can sense that, uh... Like, uh, Lol sees in danger. And this is the moment where, like, I officially, like, sighed. And I was like, alright, I've lost all hope for this series. <laughs> Um, and it's this moment where she just suddenly, her hair starts glowing like a bright red, and she, like, warps. She just goes super Saiyan. Yeah. She warps over, and she's like, our connection is so strong that I was able to warp over here, and I'm God now. And then she just destroys, like, the space monster. No problem. And it turns out, like, all the first generation busters, like, respond to her. They're basically, like hers to control and it's just like oh my she's God. she turns out she is the buster machine number seven yep and it's like oh great love that um yep. and yeah so basically this is the point where um lol C starts getting really kind of like starts the downward spiral of their arc where they start having a little bit of a spat um Mostly on Lol C's end, Nono's very main character of typical like shonens where she's very like airheaded and just like, ha ha, I'm dumb, but I'm pure and I'll always like 
take a person back no matter how shitty they are to me kind of deal. Um, so, yeah, basically, like, it, there's, like, this whole, uh, built-up, like, discrimination against the, uh, oh, God, topless pilots throughout the series, like, people are like, oh, you know, you topless, you know, are fucking monsters, yada, 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 you're useless in the grand scheme of things, and of course, Lol sees like, oh, you know, you guys are just fucking wrong up until this point. But when Nono becomes the Buster Machine number seven, she's like, ah, shit, maybe everybody was kind of right. And she kind of starts getting the feeling that there's not really a use for her. And she starts getting like super defensive and super crabby towards Nono. And then uh, there's like a whole scene where like... Basically, like, after Nono had saved the day, um, the rest of the topless pilots are kind of just, like, chilling, and, uh, they're on this planet that's, like, they have to wear these, like, guards over their heads so they can't, like, they've got, like, these little stickers that they, like, keep on their head. That's, like, what keeps their topless powers, like in check and they've got like these little uh devices like these little cage helmets on their head that are meant to like keep that sticker bound so they can't use their topless in certain areas in certain areas where people like discriminate against them but yeah um so there's like this whole ordeal where no no is about to get raped by uh nicola and then lolsi like steps in and a bunch of like guards come as well and uh they obviously, like, detain uh, Nicola, and then Lalsi gets, like, super fucking pissy with Nono, which is, like, I, I get that you're, like, kind of emotionally distraught in the scene. Like, obviously, that character had been toying with you up until this point, but damn, what a shitty reaction to have to your friend getting raped, or about to get raped. Yeah. And it's just like, God, what? What a fucking piece of shit. She's just like, stop calling me, you know, your big sister. I'm not. You know, leave me alone. And then... So... Okay. Uh, so basically... This starts, like, the final two-episode arc. Or whatever it is. Um... So basically, the, like, black... So the resolution of Gunbuster becomes relevant here, because... That big black hole that they made... Turned out not to save everybody. Well, it saved them in the short term, but created a long-term problem for everybody again. Because it basically... I mean, it did destroy most of the space monsters. Most of them. But there's still a couple roaming around, and... They're using the black hole to... As a teleporter, pretty much. Yeah. So, basically, there's a... Yeah. Um, let me let me do a bit of reading here, because this is the point in the series where I was just, like, mentally checked out a lot, and it just became a lot of, like, I'm throwing Jupiter! Shit's not working! So, basically, Space Monster warps close to Earth, um... 
And then, uh, fucking. No, they're they're like, no, no, we need you to do this, but the thing they want her to do will probably just kill her. And she just kind of leaves. Yeah. <laughs> like, she just vanishes from the system. And they're like, oh, God. But then this is Lol C. She's like, that's it. Uh, she She's, like, learning more about No-No. Um, she learns about... Yeah, she, like, goes to her... Noriko. Um, she learns about the events of the first show. Um, but then her and the rest of the topless are like, we're gonna go fight him! Uh, yeah. But then fucking No-No comes back. She's got a B. And she's she's in the she's the mega android die buster. She's like, I'm die buster. Now, and this is going to help everybody. But it doesn't. Lolsi just starts fighting No-No because she's like, you left. This is our battle. Yeah. And then very dumb in the middle of her little violent outburst against No-No. She loses her. She expires. She loses her topless ability. And then No-No is kind of stuck fighting um this giant space monster and she's losing yeah so she's like not doing anything so lolsey like pleads to uh her buster machine and then um yeah what's his name like deeks yeah and something that they had established earlier it's got like this giant like horn in its head that it leaves there because it's like if it removes it it'll lose a lot of like memory it has and a lot of its like fighting ability so it's been like holding on to it for all these years but um lolsey like pleads to it and she's like we gotta help no no so it like removes the horn from its head so lolsey can like get into its like um not uh to its like manual command pod at its head so she gets in there and she helps no-no out, and then no-no comes to the realization it's not how big you are, it's about how much you give, or whatever. How big your heart is, so they get together. And so she goes back into her little form. Yep. And then they, and they, they do, do a big kick. Yep. They do that lightning kick, but two of them. And, uh... I like some of the visuals when they do the big kick, I guess. Yeah, like the visual, like this show's like not visually bad or anything. Like it, it, I, I like the way it looks, honestly. Like that's kind of my opinion, the best thing it's got going for it. Aside, like I, I'm not a big fan of all the character designs, but like the style is fine at least. But reminds me a lot of Gurren Logan, obviously. But, yeah. uh, Yeah, so Yeah, they it's, it's they they kick it and it and it blows up. And then the black um, hole tears open and uh they like have Lolsey and Nono have like a last minute together where they're like, Yeah I love you or whatever. We're best friends. And then um And then fucking Nono warps herself away. Yep. And that's it. And then like ten years later we see Lolsey kind of like Go and it turns out like the no no re re I think is what they call it. It's like this person that no no keeps like referring to as her inspiration throughout the series, and we find out that it's like obviously the Gunbuster characters. Um, 
And yeah, we see her like kind of just go out and watch um, Noriko and uh, Amino like return to Earth. It's, this this end scene was probably my favorite scene from the whole series because it's like, oh, I feel like naturally if you were to do like a sequel like this to Gunbuster that takes place like right before the like f- final final bit of Gunbuster. That this is the ending that you should go with, but uh, yeah, I thought the rest of the series was pretty, pretty bad, pretty poorly written, in my opinion. Like, I just don't like. Yeah, I don't. I don't like the whole like. Oh, we're gonna go for the theme of hard work gets you there, but at the same time, make our main character a special robot that was built who has like godlike powers, and also the other main character is uh ha- has a fucking ability that can expire and it's just like ugh i don't know i wasn't a fan of it like if if maybe if yeah. i had seen this before like gurren lagan i would have been a bit more impressed like if this is one of my earlier mech animes but i mean maybe but i just like don't like any of the characters in this and i just don't think most of it is altogether that interesting one of my favorite parts about like the cockpit stuff in the first one was uh how they do the colored backgrounds that it looks like just, like, static behind them. There's, like, pink static or, like, purple static. It's yeah. just very fun to look at. While this one is just, like... There's just not a lot of fun things to look at. Like, it's just, like, well animated, but not very creative, I guess. Yeah. Even most of the cool big scenes are just, like, what if we do the kick from the first series? Or, what if she cuts the planet in half? Yeah, I thought... I thought- initially the concept of like topless was pretty interesting but they didn't really like go anywhere with it that i was like super compelled by it it was just kind of like the expiration thing you know just like eh. i don't know I, I, I wasn't a huge fan of it like i've stated throughout this entire fucking episode but yeah um a lot of angry no, I- rambling yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, uh, it's not, it's, it was not good, and I am sad that I watched it after Gunbuster, and, like, I watched it, like, right, most of it, like, right after Gunbuster, and I'm like, I wish I had, like, given Gunbuster, like, a week. Yeah. <laughs> to um. properly sit on it, like, how much I enjoyed it before diving into something I very much did not enjoy. <laughs> Yeah, luckily I had seen Gunbuster a good few years ago yeah. and a few times after, so I I had pretty much had my developed thoughts on that series before I had stepped into its shitty sequel. Um, I, I wonder so what, what I wonder what like hardcore Gunbuster fans thought when like Diebuster was first airing. Probably pretty similar to what our thoughts were. I assume most of the Diebuster fan base probably comes from people who watch Diebuster first. That would be my general guess, but I don't know. I don't want to make too many assumptions. Uh, but yeah, um, hopefully the next one's better. Hopefully. Uh, so what did, is it, are they doing another one? 
Yeah, there, there's like a planned sequel for it, but um, basically the last time anybody spoke about it was in 2018. Um, hmm. Hiroyuki uh, Yama, Yamaga, uh, he was writing a script for it and he wrote, he's like one of the original founders for Gainax. He's had his hands involved in like most of their big series and he wrote the script for War in the Pocket. So, um, yo, I hear, you know, I hear good things about the writing of that one. So it's, it's very fucking good. Uh, oh, hopefully he would write a decent script. Um, I just hope that apparently he, whatever he wrote, he wrote, uh, he was one of the writers on, uh, Gunbuster. Oh yeah. As well. he, he did do some writing for the original Gunbuster as well. Um, and he wrote the script for uh, Royal... Sp- oh, he also directed it. Um, Royal Space Force, The Wings of Honemise, which I've heard really good things about. Ah, But, uh, yeah, around the time that they were, like, last speaking of it, they were also speaking about another one of their projects, projects which is uh, Uru and Blue. Uh, and that one is slated to come out like 2022 so it seems like all evidence points towards like gunbuster 3 will happen it'll just be a matter of like when um you know i say no yeah personally i'm not (laughs) i say i'm okay personally i think i'm satisfied with gunbuster um especially since let me see at that time, like, Yamaga was writing the script for the series, or writing the script for the series prior to writing the script for Uru and Blue. His intent at that time was to connect Gunbuster and Diebuster together with a new story, and that characters from them might briefly appear, but overall the story would be completely different. And the most clear link between the three would be the would be in the uh, SF aspect. I mean, I, I'll probably watch it if it comes out. Yeah, just, I I'm okay, too. you know. I'm, but <laughs> I'm okay if it doesn't come out. Yeah, personally, I'm like I still haven't watched like any like the FLCL sequels either. I'm just not like super crazy about like them going back and doing sequels to a lot of like these old OVAs that I like because it's just like why, why, why. <laughs> War in the Pocket needs a sequel. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Even though that wouldn't really work. Uh, so what'd you what'd you get this one? Uh, Die Buster, I would straight up give. I'll, uh, I'm, I'm like somewhere between a four and a five. I think that there's enough to it where I feel like I should give it a five just because of like the production of it and stuff. Because animation's a lot harder to do. But really, I'm gonna give it a three. Yeah, I'm probably so gonna you're at a five. I'm I'm gonna give it a four. I, okay, I, I so three point five for us. Uh, pretty bad. Um, you might like it. Yeah, you might. If if so, let me know why. Um. <laughs> oh, okay, Thomas. What 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 funny thing are we doing next week? Okay. I'll give you a choice. Do you want to do another animated trilogy, or do you want to do a live-action trilogy? Let's do another animated, because I think the next thing I'm going to do is live-action, so then we can go live-action, live-action. Okay, so. do you want just 
I'll give you two two options here. We can either do another anime, or we can do uh, something that we had previously discussed that I'm sure you already know what I'm talking about. Um, oof. Which one would you prefer here? Personally, I'm leaning towards the anime because it's something that I've been meaning to do for a while. And Let's do that, then. Okay. It's, it's something you've been intending to do, too, which is... Uh, the Mobile Suit Gundam oh! Trilogy. <laughs> so. Wait, so you're not done with the series yet. Are you just going to watch these in place of it? Or are you going to finish up the series and then watch the three Mobile Suit Gundam movies? Um, so I I purposefully stopped watching the series right where the second mo- movie ends. So what I might do is I'll either go in to the third movie fresh for the podcast and then just be like, just experience the end that way and have like a fresh reaction for the podcast. Or I'll go and I'll like watch the two compilation movies, watch like the last 10 episodes and then watch the third movie. But I don't know. I guess I'll, I'll play it by ear. Take it as it goes. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. And while I'm not going to rewatch them, I'm sure we'll probably end up at least briefly talking about the origin. Yeah, probably. Um, But yeah. Cool. It's going to be an exciting episode. Hell yeah. Three mechs in a row. What did we do last week? Uh, We did. Oh, yeah. Palable. Palable. It's been a long week. Hey, man. I'm, I'm always down for more mech. And Pierre, oh, yeah. Pierre and some people in Peru are the only people who listen anyway, so. <laughs> and Pierre loves mechs. Okay, everybody. Well, right. thank you for listening. Yes. We hope you have a wonderful day. Sure. Adios. All that jazz. Bye-bye.